1: Welcome back,
2: everyone, to the Flow Track podcast, and happy Wednesday. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Gordon, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Good morning. Doing all right. Uh, what was, so I was going to start the podcast with something. Oh, my goodness. There's something on my mind literally five minutes ago, mm-hmm. and I've completely forgotten what it is. It's okay. We'll just do a podcast Anyway, we'll just do a podcast anyway, and we'll get ready to go. So, I'm excited.
2: And this podcast is brought to you by Hoka, Gordon. Hoka's has just introduced the most advanced spike shoe yet. There you go. I jogged your memory. The CLO X, they're powered by the propulsion of carbon. Two varieties the CLO MD for mid distance and CLO LD for long distance. Remember, you can go to Hoka.com today. Hoka, Faster Forward. These orange ones that I'm holding up here, these are the LDs. Gordon is
0: showing off the MDs. Not to be confused with a the doctor. These aren't doctor's shoes. No. Medical doctors. They're just mid-distance shoes and long-distance shoes. You might get your doctor
2: fiber. in – you might be a doctor in racing fast with these shoes. Yeah, There could be that. I like – yeah.
0: I mean I like the look. I like the color. I know color isn't what makes you fast, right? It's not like you wear orange and white shoes and all of a sudden you're – breaking four minutes in a mile. But if it means anything, I mean, it gives you good vibes. But yeah, ultimately Mm -hmm. it's all about this thing right here. This plate, carbon fiber plate, is Mm -hmm. what everyone's doing now. And clearly it's working because if everyone else is doing it, you gotta be doing it, and that's what Hoka's doing. So good shoes, excited for them to come out. So again, Hoka.com
2: or you can get the CLO LD for all the distance runners out there and mid-distance runners as well too. We have a lot of world indoor tour events coming up, Gordon. We got Ostrava, we have Berlin, and then of course over the weekend we got the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix, which is available in select countries. But the one in Ostrava is coming up on Thursday, so I wanted to mention a few names and a few participants in that meet right now. So you have uh, Ashley Del Ponte in the sixty, who is one of the best sixty meter runners in the world. She's in the top ten in the most recent iteration of the Flow Track rankings. Look out for her. You have Eli Hall on the start list as well. You have Elliot Giles in the fifteen hundred, and you have Tentaglu. I just saw they did a pre meet press conference. Tentaglue is out there, Olympic champion in the long jump. So. Some big names competing in this meet in the Czech Republic. It's the Czech Indoor Gala, but we're calling it the the, the Ostrava World Indoor Tour. That takes place on Thursday. We're getting to this time going on like multiple big meets every week.
0: Yeah, and uh, Ilan, if you can show the calendar on, on the screen, we have so many World Athletics Indoor Tours. Like if we scroll through this, Travis – we have obviously Ostrava, Berlin, and the New Balance Grand Prix this weekend. But then mm-hmm. the following weekend we have in Metz, Levine, mm-hmm. Birmingham, Dusseldorf, Turin, Madrid, Paris. Mm-hmm. List goes on and on. All your best World Athletics Indoor Tours live on Flow Track. They're all live in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, except for that New Balance Indoor Grand Prix that will be in Australia and Canada only. But you know, we're going to see some world record attempts. In some of these meets, like Birmingham's yeah. gonna be good. Levine's gonna be good. Uh, torn's gonna be good. Uh, Grant Holloway's mm-hmm. gonna be there. Uh, Jakob Ingabritsen, Elaine Thompson, hurrah. It's gonna be all the best of the best at the World Athletics Indoor Tour.
2: The Birmingham one I have my eye on because that's Thompson, hurrah. That's also a mirror in, in the 1K. But yeah, check it out on, on Thursday. We'll recap it on Friday's pod. Going back a little bit here, there was some. Um, College news that we wanted to touch on. so we're going to do some college stuff, then we'll talk about the Salazar news as well, and then we'll end with more college stuff. This is going to be pretty college heavy, but hey, college athletes are going to turn into pro athletes one day, and college athletes are going to make teams. So if you're a fan of fast running and good marks, this will be a good show for you. But Gordon, tell me about some of these these highlights um, on the collegiate side of things over the weekend.
0: Well, well start off with a fun one. The DMR collegiate record was broken. Now mm-hmm. we're not talking Division one collegiate record. we're ca- talking about the d two collegiate record by American International College. See a big kick here at the end. Uh, lot will put this up on the screen so you guys can see this the clip. but yeah, uh nine thirty six breaking the record for d two, and this wasn't mm-hmm. the only record that went down on the non-Division 1 scale. We had the second fastest D2 mile ever run in, at BU, and also the Division 3 record in the mile broken at BU. So D2, DMR, number two all-time D2 mile, number one all-time D3 mile. It's <laughs> been uh, a good day for mid-distance D2, D3 action. Um saw the top two there, Simon Fraser and American International, both yeah. breaking the old record of 940
2: the old record held by Western Oregon with Ribbich on the anchor so we know how good David Ribbich is so congrats congrats to them we actually got an email from Caleb over at American International College said big fan of the pod just wanted to shed light on the D2 DMR record um these are my teammates so this is the first time I think someone's broken a college collegiate record and their teammate has emailed in about it so That's a first two. So congrats to to Caleb's teammates. I like how you take their record.
0: I like how you take their record and be like, how is it about us? Yeah, How is what their accomplishments do with the two of us talking to each other on a screen?
2: That's what podcasting is all about, Gordon. Taking something and spinning it about you. No, this was an exciting race. I mean, it was a great kick. That finishing kick was really cool. He's looking around there and then sprinting through the line. High five with the coach. You see how pumped uh, his – you know, that, that, that quartet is. So yeah, congrats, congrats to them. Real exciting times. All this stuff ha- taking place at BU makes me think this BU track is just as fast as ever, Gordon.
0: Yeah. And uh we saw again, she showed this clip of the highlight of this mile. It was won by Vincent Chieti or Cieti of Oregon track club. Um, But he led the charge of a bunch of people breaking four. So you see these people finishing the two pros up front, but that, slew of athletes finishing third, fourth, fifth, etc. Those weren't just D1 athletes. Those were D3, D2 athletes making some big records. I always like it when a D3 or D2 athlete does well. I ran D3, so I have a little bit of a love for the D3 community. And it's always cool to see them do something special. And Aiden Ryan of Williams, 356.88. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, I guess, when I started at Flow, the record yeah. was four flat 96 by a Haverford guy. 1997, mm-hmm. I remember this. I ran in the conference that Haverford ran in and Carl Ooh. Pirano was considered like the GOAT of Division three running. He ran yeah. four flat in 1997. No one's ever going to do that. And now <laughs> 14, we obviously had Kobe Horowitz go four flat then Jeremy Hernandez run 359. And now Aiden Ryan just smashed at 356. I know... And D1, there's people running 352s, 353s, but yeah, division three, man, where track and field is not the number one priority a lot of times, you know, we're doing schoolwork mm-hmm. and scholarships aren't that lucrative. There's no NIL deals going down in D3 much. It's pretty cool to see a D3 athlete mix it up with the top boys in the D1. And hey, maybe Aiden Ryan's going to be the next Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Simmons went from D3 to becoming an all-time great. Drew Wendell yeah. went from D2 to competing well at the U.S. level, international level. Maybe Aiden Ryan is the, the next guy to come out of the ranks to mix up with the big boys later on in his career.
2: You said you remembered the Carl Parana mark. I remember Simmons. I was at some of those meets watching him, and he was just blowing away all these fields and beating Division I talent. and. On several occasions they were running it was outdoors they were running 1500s but he'd go through with a pacer through one lap in 60 and then in two minutes and we're oh my gosh is he gonna is he gonna run like a four flat equivalent out here it was really exciting and then you just see how much things have changed just in that time to where someone's going 356 indoors and i think this is just the tip of the iceberg for for these these athletes i think we're going to see more and more sub fours on the d2 d3 side and also the dmrs are going to get quicker and quicker seems like everybody's taking advantage of obviously greater opportunities to race one another coming out of the pandemic obviously the shoes are providing a little bit of a boost as well too and just you know that cumulative effect you see a teammate or someone in your conference run faster you pick up your pace
0: Staying on the conversation of the mile, I was doing a little yep. bit of st- some st- statistical research the other day. S <laughs> type. Obviously, we always talk about like the sub-four mile doesn't mean much as it did years ago. We see high school kids now doing it. It seems more mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. But uh, we did break a new record for sub-four over this past weekend. And that yeah. record is most ever Division One athletes to break four in a season. The record was actually broken last year in 2021 with 38 athletes ran sub four or the equivalent of sub four when you take in altitude conversions. Division one only. Yeah. 38. Already now with all of February and half of March to go, Mm -hmm. 41 athletes have already broken four. So we're probably going to get into the 50 range of sub four athletes. I mean, if you were to go in a time machine 12 years, back, just 12, not that much of, it's kind of a lame time machine if you're going only 12 years, but (laughs) let's say they invented a time machine that only can go 12 years. Yeah. It's got limitations. And you told them, oh yeah, 359, that's going to be like 50th best in the country. Yeah. People will be like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. 359, that's like, you know, that's, that's uh, one that's like a legit, like top eight mark or whatever. Yeah. Top 50. And I think it's kind of crazy that now 359 is going to be top 50. That's wild. Are you – you said you're including altitude conversions?
2: Yes. Okay. So not that many people really haven't broken four yet. All right.
0: Get back to me when yeah, that many people like, actually have a have run I three something. I didn't want to do the calculation of – It's easier yeah, to the look at T first past 10 years. And, no. Your okay, it analysis still a, leaves a little bit to be desired, Gordon. Come on. Yeah, well, Nico Young broke four – on altitude and then all of a sudden ran three fifty six on yeah. Washington. So a lot of these altitude yeah. converters go on to run the sub four anyway. So I'd yeah, think- no, and I'm, and I'm all about
2: that. I just need to see the three by their name without the altitude okay. conversion. That's all I need to say. Just come, let's just update this segment in a couple. I think they're going to break the record. It's February 2nd and they've already gone over it. I think they're going to smash, smash the record in a couple of weeks.
0: You want to know how many people did it without conversions so far? Yes. This is yes, going to include D2 and D3 athletes. Including sure. D2 and D3 athletes, were at 40.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 40 people have a 3 okay, so colon 5 next year. Yeah. yeah. Still that's a still, still yeah. a
2: massive number. I saw the amount of men breaking 8 in the 3K is really high too this year. All right. Um, let's get into the college stuff some more here. Matthew Bowling had himself a weekend at the Razor back invite, 20.27 in the 200, 805 in the long jump. So off of what he jumped at Clemson, but still a good jump. And then also
1: ran in that 4x4. Four four. Now, I bring this up in part because of it's another
2: strong weekend for bowling. Um, but also, maybe we talk about this later on, but just the team race right now seems incredibly tight. And I want to know who has an ace up their sleeve and what they can pull off to try to get that extra point or two. And might we see like a quadruple attempt from bowling to just try to get an extra point? But we can talk about that that later. What did you think of Bowling's performance?
0: Yeah, it seems he's finally uh coming into what we wanted from him coming out of high school, right? His out of high school, the sub ten, his four by four split. His freshman year obviously got derailed a bit with the COVID. And then the next year was a little bit, you know, he wasn't as dominant as we thought he could have been. But now he's becoming the guy we thought he would be out of high school. And he's dominating the field. I don't think he's going to get beat. There is someone named Joseph Fambula out there who probably Mm -hmm. could beat him, but he hasn't run yet for Florida. So right now this is Bowling's race to lose, this 200. And he's run... He's run incredibly well. We had someone on out there in Fayetteville watching this race in person, our colleague Ryan Fenton. He was sending us some mm-hmm. text messages that he was uh, there to watch bowling run his 200 and his long jump. Mm-hmm. But I think his long jump now being consistently over eight meters, I think yeah. is a really good indicator of where he is now as an athlete, that he is now just like in one of his peak forms where – he doesn't need to have a race of his a race of his life to get right. to where he is. Like his his new floor has been raised. He still has a ceiling that he can hit, but his new floor is like, hey, my floor is like third. Now my ceiling could be closing next to a, a national record or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think. When we think of
2: 200-meter times, we always think of 19 as the threshold, but it's important for people to remember just how much different indoors is and how much slower it is. Um, Bowling's 20.19 from Fayetteville last year, from indoor champs last year, was tied for the sixth best in history. So it, it, basically what I'm saying is, if you get into the 20.1s, you're an elite company. Christian Coleman ran 20.11, Spearman ran 20.10, Odeduru, 2008, Elijah Hall, 2002, and then the world record is 1992 by Frankie Fredericks. So, you know, I, I think the fact that he's running 20.2 now indicates that by the time championships come along, he can beat that 20.19, and then you're putting yourself right in that top five. You know, maybe he's able yeah. to, you know, squeak in there in, in that group that includes Wallace Spearman and Christian Coleman, which is just obviously great company. Could he get to the twenty oh two collegiate record? It's a bit of a bigger ask based on where he is right now. But again, look at how many names are on this list that are ahead of him. It's not a big list.
0: Yeah. I don't I, I think twenty oh is not out of the question for sure. This year? I think the big yeah, I think so. Yeah, why not? You've sure. run twenty twenty seven in January. Still got a whole another four, uh, five weeks of training. I think you do it. I think the big question I want to know is: if you're Matthew Bowling, obviously you're focused on representing Georgia, trying to score points in the long, beat four by four to two hundred, maybe even the sixty. What is Matthew Bowling going to be doing in Eugene in June
1: at USA's? I think it'll be the two in the long jump.
0: Two in the long jump. So he'll, he'll scratch the 100, don't go close to the 400?
2: I'd have to look at the schedule to see if there's any sort of disadvantage to being in the two in the long jump, but I would think those would be his preferred events. I want to see more 400s, though, as I said before. I, I want to see him run more quarters, but maybe we're going to wait another year for that. He did run that 4 by 4 but we went and looked last time when we talked about him about how – few quarters he actually ran last year when you when when you think about it. But when you're good at multiple things, you're gonna have to make some some tough decisions.
1: Um so this is a good sign. So you think you can break the collegiate record this year? Yes. I do. Okay. Stay tuned on that one. Stay
2: tuned on that one. All right we'll take a break from the collegiate talk. We'll get back to it in a second. Want to discuss the Alberto Salazar story. Uh, the New York Times reported that the reason for his safe sport ban, remember we found out in summer of 2021 that he had been banned for life by safe sport, which governs his ability to coach U.S. athletes, was for sexual assault, Gordon. Previously, we had no indication about that safe sport process, what specifically led to the lifetime ban um but it says that it, after he appealed an arbitrator found that he um had more likely than not, which is the threshold in these cases it's not a criminal court, so it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, but more likely than not um had sexually assaulted an athlete on two different occasions, so Salazar responded in his statement, denied the allegations um But the, and and actually, you know, the arbitration was ruled against him, obviously. But we have this situation here where we started with Salazar with rumors about doping violations. Then a doping case gets brought in 2019 against him. He's banned for four years. We also have the allegations coming out about emotional abuse. Right, the the long stories um, that were told by Mary Kane and then corroborated by other athletes um, that had to do with body shaming. And then we get this ban, but we didn't really know what it was about. And now we're into the area where we're discussing um, sexual assault. So I don't think it's hard for me to see a a path where he's coaching again. You know, obviously, this ban just governs US athletes, but do you see a way where he's? gonna be able to
1: coach again
0: i don't think so i think it's just been a long six years of constantly being under the scrutiny of of the track community um you know the whole gray area stuff then you know water mm-hmm. everyone getting involved getting the four-year ban yeah. but then this stuff this like is like this is separate different. from any of that stuff. There's no like debating like the ethicalness of it like there's a lot of people who are like dude, Salazar's innocent, man. You're you're trying to witch hunt uh this whole gray area stuff. You guys are just jealous that he's a good coach and can succeed, success, successfully coach great athletes. Um but this You're is, talking like, about with the doping
2: allegations.
0: The, yeah, the doping stuff and Gray Area and Yeah, you know, experimenting on his kid and like all that stuff. You could see there was a side that was pro Salazar in that situation. Mm -hmm. It may have been like 80-20, but there's still, it Mm -hmm. wasn't 100-0. But when we get to this stuff, this is separate from track. This is very 100-0, maybe 99-1 type of uh, reaction to this. And uh, I think what would be best for... The sport, best for him, even is just, hey man, step away, it's over, it's done. You're 63, just, mm-hmm. you did bad things, and it, it's it's time to not try to just steamroll over it. You gotta just accept it, and we need we need the sport to move on. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. We just need we need the sport to move on. We need the athletes who are uh, who are coached by him who are. Dealing with this, 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 this stuff—whether it was the emotional abuse or the sexual abuse—that now has been alleged and cooperated by other um, witness, yeah. witnesses or whoever went to Safe Sport with the allegation—it's just, it's. I'm done. I'm just done with it. Like, it's time. Yeah. the Salzer era is over. No more. Like, yeah. There's a lot I of other great coaches you. out there in this world. There's great athletes. It's time to focus on them
2: yeah i i agree with you this is just completely separate from that it's it's just interesting to see how it morphed and i wonder in the world where we didn't have the anti-doping ban and we didn't have the allegations of emotional abuse if he was still coaching and this came out like what would the what would the response be you know in a way he you know he's already not coaching So, it's just, it's seen in a completely different light. And it's just one more thing. But yeah, when you're talking about stuff like assault, it goes outside the bounds of what we've talked about before. Because when you mention about people taking his side uh, in terms of the gray area stuff, there's people within the sport who were taking his side on that. But there are also a huge constituency of people outside, like non track fans who just read headlines who turn the other way to doping or don't really. It doesn't bother them because the other sports that they cheer for have that past or have that present, and it does not detract from their ability to enjoy the sport. But this is totally different, totally different. And and again, you're not going to get anybody defending this. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't know what else we're going to learn though because there's a lot of you know anonymity with this process.
0: Yeah, when I read the story, I don't even want to say it on the air of the what the sexual assault entailed, but it kind of gave me like a sick reminder of the whole, uh, gymnastics case with the mm-hmm. trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget. I don't even know the guy's name. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't remember his name. Who cares? Uh, but obviously that was crazy. Cause it was hundreds of girls who were abused by this trainer. And then he goes on to get criminally, you know, investigated and, found guilty. And then he goes on and kills himself. But uh, my question is like, is this, is something, is this something Salazar is going to have to face in a criminal situation? Or is Mm -hmm. it like done, done here? Like,
2: well, he hasn't been criminally charged. And I think that would be, that would depend on the specifics of, of the case. Does the person want to bring criminal charges? You know, when, you know, different States have different laws about this. So it would it would depend i mean that the threshold for guilt in this case is different than in a criminal case as well too as we mentioned just more likely than not it has to have taken place as opposed to beyond a reasonable doubt so i have i have no idea we're just now finding out about this i mean if it wasn't for the new york times reporting this out we wouldn't know and i think a lot of people would have said hey he's being banned for all the stuff that's come out which that stuff is body shaming mostly Right. So this just takes it in a completely different direction. This totally um, supports the idea of a lifetime ban because you should ban someone for life. Like the whole function of S- Safe Sport is for cases like this. Um, anyway, let's move on to another topic because um, I want to have time to get through all the rest of these collegiate highlights. Do you want to talk about individual stuff or team stuff? Because I have individual questions for you and team questions for you.
0: You you go you 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 choose the path. I'm I'm gonna go on this little adventure with you. You just take me okay. down the road that you want me just, to go down.
2: Travis, if you, are you still here? If you're still here, Travis, pull up the team rankings um, for the men. Because these are incredibly close on the men's side. Women's side, we'll talk about them in a second. Florida's blowing everybody out, and I want to talk about Grace Stark in a second. But look at these men's rankings: Texas, 34; Georgia, 33; Florida State, 30. Keep scrolling: A and T, 29; Alabama, 28. Florida 28, LSU 27, Oregon 26, Notre Dame 24, NAU 23, USC 23. So you have 11 teams within 11 points of each other. So obviously it's very close. A&T was the big mover up from 13 to 4. Everybody else stayed about around the same. NAU dropped back, but we could see a scenario where they win a bunch of distant races and they're fine. But what I want to know, going back to the bowling question here, if it's this close, Who has an ace up their sleeve? Who has a break glass in case of an emergency move here where they can maybe put somebody in a different event, double, triple, and squeak out an extra point here and there? Who's got the ability to push themselves, get to the high 30s or
0: low 40s? Well, the thing about these rankings, I try to uh, calculate for the aces that these teams have. Because, right, but what are you not right now, seeing? Well, right basically. now I'm calcu- like I'm calculating Joseph Fambula, who hasn't raced yet, to help Florida, which helps them get to 28 points. So, yeah. I mean, I guess an ace would be for Florida would be Fambula also being great in the 60, and then all okay. of a sudden scoring there, and that moves them up. Um, mm-hmm. I think Florida does have a bunch of people who are like 12 to 15th, which okay. is great you know, you can make a national meet when you're 12th to 15th, but you're not scoring, but that's how you win. That's how these teams are going to win is these teams that do have athletes who I have ranked in the nine to 16 range. who then find a way to finish seventh. And those two points when it's this close is a game changer. I think, um, I think Texas is Micaiah Harris. If he can get to get it together and, Jonathan Jones, I think Texas has a little bit of more power that they can okay. throw at this um, situation. Um, Florida State, their ace, in my opinion, will be Adrian Walt- Wildershut. Because right now, Adrian Wildershut, 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 I don't Adrian, I don't have him scoring many points. So if he finds a way, if Florida State's distance guy comes in and's like, I'm not finishing seventh, I'm finishing third, yeah. that would be the big ace for Florida State. Oregon, Michael
1: Williams has looked real good. Where else are they getting points?
0: Uh, they have a good heptathlete. Um, Oregon, they have a good triple jumper, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Matt um, J.
2: That's right.
0: Yep. Not many other places, right? There are milers and their 3K. I mean, they do have 3K with Aaron Benfeld. He's still mm. kind of relevant, but I don't really have him scoring too much. I don't know. Things are going to start coming together in two weeks from now when we have even more results mm-hmm. from the big mid-February weekend. Yeah, and Then the rankings also are going to start evolving because, again, I'm still assuming that some of these big guns are going to show up, right? And Yeah. Because you don't know why someone hasn't raced, right? But there's mm-hmm. going to be a point when you have to realize, oh, you don't have that card that I thought you had. And so then it will move around again. Well, I wonder NAU is NAU
2: tapped out at that mid 20 mark.
0: Yes, yeah, so NAU dropped because I took George Kush Kusha out of the mile. He ran like a 408 mile at Miller Rose. Yeah. I had him finishing like top 5 in the mile based on his past pedigree. But if George Kusha comes out and runs a 357 in a week or two, then Northern Arizona will go back in the in the mix. But right now they <laughs> just have three good guys, and that's not enough to podium. Yeah, Nico,
2: Nur, and Bosley. That's that's yeah. it. It, Yeah, but you could see a scenario where they worked their way back in it and could get to 34. I mean, you'd yeah. need a bunch of other things to go right, too. Have you ever seen a year when it's this tight, even though it's still early? I feel like we don't, we don't have it this tight, this far down.
0: Yeah, normally it is tight. A lot of times between second and and like eighth for a long time. And there's always like that yeah. clear front runner, but the fact that there isn't a one that has pulled away I think is a sign. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's fun when it's quite, what's what's interesting is like the difference between like someone be like, oh, wow, you thought we'd get eighth and we got third. And it's like, yo, yeah. well, you just got one more point than I thought you would get, yeah. right? Like, Or the yeah. team ahead, you got one less point because you know there's such a big drop there's it's the the, the difference between fourth place and 10th place could just be yeah your triple jumper getting 5th instead of 8th like and that could have been a difference of like 4 centimeters like it's yeah. so negligible crazy anyway well, let's look at the women's side of things
2: you have florida women just running away with this thing with a huge huge margin you have them scoring in the 90s and I, part of that I think is you know Grace Stark being a threat now in the 60 after what she ran over the weekend do you think with Stark do you think she could pull off the the Holloway double the hurdle yeah. flat 60 double like he did in 2019
0: so the episode of the NCAA track and field show which is now up on our website will be up on YouTube later today I I basically go deep dive into the Florida women and explain why they're at the 96-point threshold. And I do compare Grace Mm -hmm. Stark to Grant Holloway. I don't know if she can pull it off, but she's definitely going to score a shit ton of points in those two events. Like I think her floor is third in both, right? So six Mm -hmm. and six is 12 points. I think she could get a third and a second, a second and a first, yeah, a third and a first. So... They got a lot of points. I looked it up. Uh, the The record for most points in an NCAA indoor meet is held by the Arkansas men, who scored ninety four points. That's the record. The women's record is eighty four by Oregon women in twenty seventeen, I believe. Uh, So they have a chance to be an all time team, and yeah, potentially even ninety six
2: points would be nuts. Ninety six is is a ton of points. I think. Yeah, she's gonna have her hands full. Like you got Nelson, the reigning champion from Oregon. You got Julian Alfred, who's run really well, and then the 60 meter hurdles has gotten off to a very quick start too, because you have Ali Armstrong of LSU running really well. Salman of North Carolina T. Brissette, Akira Nugent, like a lot of a lot of experience in that in that high hurdles race as well too. But yeah, you go you go command F. On your rankings, and you search for Florida, or you do that on the, the top the descending order lists. If you just sort it by top twenty, top
1: fifty, and you look for Florida, it's just they're all over the place on the women's side. It's remarkable. Yeah. There's been a.
0: I think I want to co- highlight a couple of like distance uh, results from some of the college kids that kind of got overlooked because, you know, the things that were going on at Milrose, it was all about. On Athletics Club and Oliver Hoare mm-hmm. and Alicia Monson. But I think that we should kind of point out, you know, one, Courtney Wayment ran 850. She's mm-hmm. the favorite in the 3K, I think, um, coming off of her great run at indoors last year. Uh, her rest of her sidekicks, like Whitney Orton, um, Anna Camp, they're all gone pro. So she's kind of the last one standing
1: to potentially
0: yeah. win another title. But she runs 850, which is respectable. And then Morgan Beatles come, man. Morgan freaking Your Beatles Your guy. Come.
1: You're, say, it State. Morgan, say
0: it again. Michigan State. Morgan. Say his name. Morgan Beatles come. Beatles come? Did no. I say it right? Yeah, no but, no, but put freaking in the middle of it. I like that better. Mo- Morgan freaking Beatles come. M freaking B. Michigan State. I think he's a fifth <laughs> or sixth year senior. You had 743. 743. Mm hmm. Guys, that's quick, and like no one. Guys, here's the thing, fellas. He ran 7:43, and no one outside of Lansing is gonna predict him to win the NCAA title. No one outside of not even you, just him, his teammates, and his coach, and his mom. His friends not even gonna pick him. His friends gonna be like, "Yo, guys, Nico Young's pretty good," or "Wesley Kiptu, man, watch out for Athanas Kyoko." No one is picking him to win. But he goes out there, he runs 743 at Miller Rose. Mm-hmm. You don't notice it because he's, you know, there was guys winning it in 739. Mm-hmm. But man, he's Mr. Consistent. He's giving me some Robert Brandt vibes of like always in it, but never mm. winning it. Mm. But maybe he can break the Robert Brandt curse and find a way to win it. I don't know, man. I think I, I kind of want him to win. I want him to win. I think it'll be cool. But yeah. I don't think he will, but I want him to win. I'm not picking him to win <laughs> he, but i want him to win there's a lot of picking going on but i'm picking him now three. i'm not even gonna Pretty wait cool.
2: i'm picking him now sixth all time yeah here's who's ahead of him here's who's ahead of him Labby the lang morgan mcdonald grant fisher edward Cheserek, alistair craig <laughs>
0: who's who's he ahead of who's seven now
2: girl beamish rup kemboy nick willis eric jenkins alistair craig again tyler day Will Gohegan, Olin Hacker, Cam Levins, Justin Knight, Laiwe Lang again, Adam Goucher, Cooper Tier, Cole Hawker. No, hold on. No, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Joe Falcon, Bernard Legat, Alex Mayer. There's some names on there. There There's some names. names. Tier, Hawker, Legat, Goucher, Justin Knight, Cam Levins, Jenkins. Yeah, there's a lot of names. Nick Willis. He's ahead of a guy who ran sub four 20 years in a row, Gordon. Morgan scum. My pick for the NCAA. Here's the thing title.
0: about that. This is my take when it comes to statistics. So, obviously, yeah. NBA fan here. I'm, I'm on my Joel Embiid is the MVP campaign on the internet. You know, I'm doing my tweets and my Reddit posts to, to say that Embiid's better than Nikila Jokic. But for those who don't know, it's basically going to be between Jokic, Denver center versus Joel Embiid, Sixer center. And People have been praising Jokic based on these statistics, right? They're saying he's the greatest blah, blah, blah statistic ever. And the one yep. statistic they, they, they uh, always cite is his on-off numbers. And it's on, mm-hmm. what that means, for those who don't know, follow basketball, they see like how many points is the team scoring and giving up when the player's on the court versus off the court, and what's the difference. So basically you can see like when he's on, they're plus yep. 16. When he's off, they're minus 10, whatever. And he got has it, the best it. on-off in the NBA. But here's the thing. They're saying, like, oh, greatest on off. But then they bring up who's number two on that list. And the second best on off player is a guy named George Hill, who's just like a role player. And then what George makes you Hill, think is, former it makes, sperm. and former sixer. Uh, and what makes you think is, like, a statistic really should only mean something if the other people who are at the top tier of that statistic are like, I test good. Like, if the number two person is a role player, then you leading that statistic doesn't really mean much. That makes sense, right? Okay.
2: Yeah. So do so you want me to list these is, names again, who he's ahead of? Let me list the names again yeah, one more time. Yeah, what, what, what I'm saying is,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The people who are around him, Morgan Beatles come with the 743, those are all names. Like you could argue 95% of those are are, are legit dudes. So listen, I bought the stock. You
2: didn't, You don't need to convince me. I bought the, you're not picking him. I am. Now, after I bought him, I did some research though while you were talking about Embiid because I blacked out like I normally do when you talk about the Sixers. His last two laps, he goes 29 0 and then 28 4. So I'm, I guess I'm a little worried about closing speed, but everybody's going to look slow compared to Beamish, Hawker, and Tyr. And the 29 and the 28 were preceded by really fast laps. It's not as if the race was dawdling. But I'm like, who's the best kicker right now? Let me look at your 3K rankings. Here are your 3K rankings, Gordon. Tell me who the best kicker is. Well, never mind. It's Nagoose. He's number one. Sorry. That was a dumb question. I didn't look at the rankings before I said that. Nagoose, Kyoko, Garcia Romo, Kiptu, Young, Nerd. Yo, Beatles come seventh. That's ridiculous. That is an absolute disgrace and an insult to the guy who's going to win this thing. Um, Naguse is going to be a problem, though. Garcia-Romo would be a problem, too. I think he needs them not to run. What are the chances they don't yeah. run
0: that, that race? Not good. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's going to be – you're going to, want to, you're going to right. want to see an NAU guy or two up in the top five. Obviously, Naguse. I'm, I'm still picking. I'm doubling down. Kiyoko did well at cross, so Kiptu's there. That's why it's hard to pick. I'm still pick. pick, Yeah. I think he
2: can beat Nico. I think he can beat uh, Nur and, and Kiptu and, and those guys. But the, the Milers is who I'm worried about. I mean, Kyoko is going to make it fast, though. So that's what you got to hope. Yeah. The fellow Beatlescom fans and I are hoping Kyoko makes it fast. Maybe one of those other guys doesn't run. And, or they're tired after the DMR. Um, what about his? Is he running the? You have him in the five at sixth place. Okay, the five is where his yeah, chances I'm, are.
0: I'm, I'm changing giving him pick. the Robert Brandt treatment. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm giving, giving him no, no. Robert I'm changing Brandt my, treatment.
2: I'm changing my pick. He's winning the 5k. He's win. Take my 3k pick away. He's win the 5k. He's not going to win the. So five. he's not going to win the 5k. Who's he going to lose to? He just
1: destroyed Kip
2: to Kip nah, He can kick. He well, he, he, t- he can kick with Nico. He can kick with. There's a difference between a Nico kick and a Yared kick. I think Morgan can hang with the Nico kick. I'm going all in. Morgan Beatles. Okay, up. we'll find out now. We'll you've got a, a total 180 on Nico. By the way, I just want you to notice that you were not picking him for anything before, and now you're picking him to be A champion.
0: I know. I don't know. I where's, don't know what I want. Where's the, or what where are I his think? on-off
2: numbers? What else do you have in here? What's, Wayman 8 850. You talked about it. Oh, Trey Cunningham 746. He's the uh, he's the world leader right now. I have him. I'm recording my ranking show after this one, Gordon. I got Trey Cunningham way up there, and he's running that indoor Grand Prix meet this weekend, I believe. So you're going to have that's the best. We'll talk about it later, AKA Friday. That's the best race of the meet the men's 60 meter hurdles as of right now, unless something changes, because you have Grant Holloway opening up you have Trey Cunningham who leads the nation you have and then you have Daniel Roberts and Devin Allen who had a really tight race in Milrose
1: so I'm very excited to see that one
0: we also had um a collegiate record by Jasmine Moore in the triple jump this time it counted yeah unlike the yep, yep, the yep. other one out at Texas Tech she jumped jump 14.55 meters Again, this is why Florida is going to be so dominant. They got Jasmine Moore, who was at Georgia last year, now at Florida scoring a shit ton of points. And then also Shea Tawau, weight thrower, mm-hmm. throws over 25 meters. I talked about her as like, like a low-key. Uh, I gave her like an award on my track and field show, but over 25 meters for a woman in the weight throw is very impressive. I know it's, some people might not know that barrier that well, but it is a hard barrier to get. Too so yeah, very impressive for her. And then the last thing I wanted to say was we started gotten, we started to get some DMR results. Oklahoma State ran 928. on the men's mm-hmm. side, Arkansas ran 1051. We still here's the question: Oklahoma state yeah Arkansas's 1051 is going to stand. Like that is going to be fast enough to make it top 12. But Oklahoma State's 928. Every year the DMR just gets faster and faster on the men's side and it gets more and more ridiculous. If you're Oklahoma State and you ran 928, are you done? Do you feel like you need to run in three weeks and try again? Or do you feel like you're fine?
1: I feel like you're fine. You keep an eye on are what you? other people are doing. I mean, Okay, let's – Let me look at the list here. Um, Let's see. Men's DMR, 928.
0: 12th is 945. Eh. Well, you can't look at what 12th is. They all do it on the same weekend, which is in two weeks from now. So I'm going to show you what 20... So 2021, obviously not everyone did a DMR. So the last time we had a DMR... Nine thirty-two was twelfth,
1: but nine twenty-eight okay, was no, fifth. Yeah, I I would run again. Then I would run again. You run again? Play a little bit. Of de- play a little bit of defense out there. I'd run again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. So
0: four- in 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 twenty nineteen, in twenty nineteen, the the last team in was Stanford with a nine twenty-nine. That was in twenty nineteen. Nine twenty nine was the last team in. So yeah, okay,
2: then this is this is a, I was wrong before. Let me correct the record. Uh I know Dave Smith's probably using me to plan out his season. Run again. Run again. I was wrong. Isn't that crazy though? Nine twenty eight and you're like that's not good enough, you gotta run again? Well, you just said nine twenty nine was the last time in two years ago or twenty nineteen, so it's okay. not that crazy. It's not, it's not, not that big of a change. A second faster so yeah you gotta you gotta run again and i'm sure they'll be fine where are the big dmr meets in two weeks
0: uh well there'll be one at the jdl and there'll be one at notre dame right those are typically mm-hmm. the two places you'll go and then i do know that pac-12 is hosting like an invitational uh mm-hmm. the week that they used to have mpsf and so yeah. i'm sure like the pac-12 teams will kind of collude to uh rabbit themselves to try to break into the top 12 as well
1: collude to rabbit themselves into the top 12.
2: do you you're mr extend the cross-country season would you want to extend the indoor track like should we just start doing the playoffs right now for the dmr if they're traveling all around the country anyway let's get all these top teams in one spot they advance out of the first round you got to run one in January, one in February, one in March.
0: Ooh, that would be fun. Like a little mini tournament within the tournament. Yeah. I would like that. So we just have like the DMR day once a month. once a month. Yeah. And it starts at like 30, then it gets down to 15, and then you have mm-hmm. your final eight, like eight Nationals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I like that. And the top
0: seed. did you come some yeah, good
1: ideas. yeah, yeah, no, I've I just
2: taken off of your cross, endless cross-country season idea of. All right, first practice, September 1st. First qualifier, September 3rd. And then we narrow it down from there. <laughs> really start chipping away at this. Okay, what else do we have on this list here? Uh You talked about Shea Taiwo. You talked about Jasmine Moore. Thank you. I think we did it all. Let me – hold on. I haven't even checked on the chat here. Is the chat even going? Let me see.
1: See if people got questions or comments.
2: There we go. Do do do.
1: Uh
2: did we shout out Aiden Ryan's 356
1: D3 National Record? Yeah, that was the f- f- literally the top of the show. We talked about that. Yeah. Um let's see. We're One thing about- I think is kind of
0: cool. I'm oh, mm. sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. My my uh, old Miss is on the verge of like having like five, like twelve people break four. They're now at four. Four people have broken four, so they just need eight more people to do it. <laughs> They're running at pen relays, so it's gonna be fun seeing them run the four by mile.
2: Yeah, do we have any?
0: Uh, I mean, okay, yeah,
2: twelve is the number
0: that they can get. I mean, twelve would be crazy if twelve people on the same freaking team run so four. I think it's, they're probably going to be more around, like, seven, maybe eight. But I put out a tweet that maybe it's 12 to be fun. So. Okay.
2: Uh, someone mentioned, no mention of Stephen Gardner's 3156 indoor 300-meter world record world best 0.31 quicker than Lyle's. Yes, I did see this. Uh, we should have mentioned that. My apologies. Where did, did this happen? It happened in – so it said in Columbia. And I was like, oh, he went to South America to run this? And then it's like Columbia, South Carolina.
1: So if you look at um, let me let me let me pull up the sorry,
2: uh, he we'll smashed it. The results, it's yeah. just, it. It's not a wor- you know it's a world best thing, so it doesn't get as much. Uh,
0: okay, thirty one fifty six. Nathan Allen was second,
2: thirty two fifty four. Yeah, thirty one fifty six. Yeah, it's a big time mark. You're not get, we're not going to talk about the three hundred that much, but he he is just he goes about his business. Um, that was his second 300. He did 32.06 at the crossplex and then 31.56. So, I mean, he's the number one ranked forming runner in the world. I don't know if he's going to run world indoors or what his plans are, but you look at Steven Gardner over the last couple of years,
1: it's incredible. Um, Someone says, Talk about Trey Cunningham. Yeah, we did that. It'd be hilarious
2: if Trey gets a win over Grant, but it's when Grant's a pro and Trey's still in college. That would be. That'd be a cool turn of events. But no, count? men's 60-meter hurdles is the race of the meet at that New Balance Indoor Grand Prix.
1: You have I was thinking...
2: arguably four of the top like six or seven guys in the world right now. It might even be four of the top five based on how, how well Trey Cunningham's running right now. And I think, Gordon, this is the best chance. If someone wants to beat Grant Holloway and make my bold prediction of him going undefeated indoor and out and break the world record twice outdoors nullified, this is the best chance. So I'm a little nervous, basically, is what I'm saying for this first one. After this one,
1: smooth sailing.
0: I just got an idea for World Outdoors. Mm-hmm. It's called the crossover event. All right. What we do is, and I want to let you let me know which event you would most want to watch. You take mm-hmm. the top four finishers from every event at Worlds. Okay. So top 400 meter, top four 200, top four 400, 800, et cetera. And yeah. then those top four from the 100 race the top four from the 200 in a 150. The top four from the 200 race the top four from the 400 in a 300. The top four 400 and the top four 800 run a 600 against each other and so mm-hmm. on. Which event would you most want to watch? So the
1: four and the eight meet in the six? Yeah. And the four and the two meet in the three? Yeah. I think I'd
2: want to watch the 7.5K or the 10 and the five meet. <laughs> <'cause>, no. <laughs>
1: uh, mm, probably 600. 600? Seeing the 800 well, people think...
2: race the 400? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be fair because that's her event. It
0: would just crush yeah. everybody on the women's side. <laughs> But it would be fun I think to see I would how like is not that. I think I would want the 300. I think that would be the coolest. That's what made me think of this. Because, okay, let's look at what what what's the Olympics? What was the results of the Olympics?
1: Well, DeGrasse
0: won. It would be DeGrasse.
1: Bednarik, Lyles, Knighton was that top four. And then okay. the quarter you have. Versus, versus Gardner. Gardner. Can't, man trying i'm trying to bring I'm, up the... I'm bl- oh, yeah i mean cherry was cherry was four. wait yeah cherry was four right and norman was five
0: am i remembering that
1: correctly well, regardless
0: who would you want? well i, I mean that would be kind of cool right i don't
2: know yeah i would uh I, i'd still take 600 i'm surprised you wouldn't take 600
0: what about between the 8 and the 15? That might be kind of fun. Or the 800 people would just die. They won't be able to handle like the yeah, uh, it was a 1,000 or like a 1,200. Yeah, I'm just, I just not getting yeah. into that
2: distance. I'm just not that into it, yeah, yeah. I got to say. Uh, Zambrano was silver. Karani was bronze. Um, I just think right now with the names
1: involved, I think I would rather go six. But that's mostly a women's side of things.
0: Maybe the one hundred and fifty for men.
2: Yeah, I think the men—the shorter, the better. I
0: think, yeah, I think. The well, men in could the anybody
2: be in it? it? Could could like Warhol be in the six hundred just for fun? And like Rye Benjamin. Sure. Or would they run the three hundred. Well, no, I guess no, Benjamin I mean,
1: that... Benjamin in the
2: three hundred would be good. Yeah, that would be fun, Benjamin in the three hundred. So maybe I am back in on the three hundred did you see the Rye Benjamin hype video?
0: I did not. I saw people tweeting about it, though.
1: Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, it was just, you know, a hype-up video. But
2: it made me think, you know how when you watch a sports movie, they always distill it, even if it's based on a true story, they always distill it down to this person versus this person or this team versus this team, even though there's, like, multiple different, Competitors that they'll face in the. It's like they're all fixated on this one athlete all season. With the exception of boxing, that's not the case. Like you're going to go against multiple people. But in track and in track right now, if you look at, say, the 100, right, there's like multiple people who could win the men's 100. So if you're in the men's 100 right now, you're not training specifically thinking about one person. 1500, maybe Jakob is thinking about Chariot, maybe Chariot's thinking about. Jakob, but I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe in the women's 400 hurdles, it's like that, but it's definitely like that in the men's 400 hurdles, right? For for Rye, yeah. Like he's definitely like when he's working out, it's like thinking about what am I doing to beat Warholm. Now, Dos Santos ran out of his mind and is number three now all time. So not to discount him, but just the history over the past couple of years and the fact that he hasn't been able to get gold. On the women's side of things, they've both gotten gold, so it's a little bit different. For Benjamin, like there's this guy in my way, there's one guy in my way, and he's the fastest in history, and he happens to be competing at the same time as me, and I have to beat him. That's what I thought of when I saw that video of just the unique situation that he's in, where he's like clearly number two. No one's gonna argue he's number three no one's going to argue he's number one. Like everybody, if you pay attention to track and field, everybody has him at unanimous
1: two. There's nobody, no other event that I could think of where a two is that clear cut. Thinking.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because Delilah, she's number two now, but you could argue, well, she could take... She could get her this time, right? Because she's beaten her before. You think about Jakob as number two or mm-hmm. Chariot, they're like, you could argue that's back and forth. Yeah, everyone else has like a. I mean, even Joe Kovacs, even though Krauser is yeah. clearly the favorite, you know, Kovacs has beaten Krauser before. So. Well, and yeah, there's a chance the, the third guy could beat him. Yeah, true.
1: Right? You was, know, like he's not finishing. Ch- yeah.
0: No
2: one's gonna argue like Ch- chariot like Kerr and Hor are should be ranked ahead of chariot right now, but you could see a world where where they get beaten. Or you could, yeah, you put him up yeah. at number one. It's just like he's clearly number two. And it was in a very cinematic sense, I think his story is really interesting because of that. It's like this guy when we talk about his career in ten, twenty years, like we're gonna talk about his races with Warholm. And if he eventually does get over the top and beat him, it's gonna be an incredible story
1: because that's just like, it's, there's a singular focus right now of beating him. I just, I think that's interesting.
0: Well, we hit the hour mark. That was it. I watched.
2: Go watch the hype video is, is what I'm saying. Go watch, uh, the hype video.
0: Yeah, watch the NCAA yeah, track thanks. and field show on YouTube. Watch Kevin's ranking show. Watch Kevin's this week in track. Watch podcast. Watch it all. Like, yeah. and subscribe. Yeah, We're doing and go to
2: hoka.com. Hoka.com, the Cielo MD, the Cielo LD. Thanks to them for sponsoring Hoka Faster Forward. As Gordon mentioned, we'll be back on Friday. We'll see you guys then.